What do you do for a living? Do you have a job? Do you have a career? Are you blue collar or white collar? How does work fit into the business of Christian living? If Jesus is the Lord of your life, is he also the Lord of your labor? Today on Craving Answers, Craving God, let's explore how your job and career fit into God's kingdom, if it fits at all. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. You'll find this episode, as well as all of our other episodes, on our website. That's found at cacg.stjamesglencarbon.org. Well, Aaron, you're a pastor, so your job is to advance the kingdom of God. But what about the accountant or the truck driver or the college professor? What about professions that seem secular in nature? Is God invested in those two? Yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to talk uh, talk as a Christian here for a second. Uh, part of the question, you know, um, you know, Aaron, your job is to do you know Christian things. Your job is to advance the kingdom of God. Um, um, I, I know what you're you're asking there. P- part of what you know the subtext behind that is that the accountant or the truck driver or the college professor, their job isn't to advance the kingdom of God. That's my job, and their job is to, you know, do math or, uh, you know, uh, transport goods or to teach kids in a college class. And actually what the Bible insists is that um, God has created work, and all of us do jobs, and every single one of us, our, our jobs, whatever they are, are designed to advance his rule and reign, to advance his kingdom. And, and that means that everybody everybody what, what what they do has value it's deeply important to him there is no you know job that's better than another person's job and that includes pastors jobs but, but so what i'm not saying is is that pastors aren't important there are, are i'm not saying that pastors are less important than christians make them i am saying that pastors are more important than the secular world makes it the secular world typically thinks of pastors and priests and um you know religious workers as uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit useless or unnecessary, a nice luxury if you're the kind of person who needs that sort of thing. Uh, at worst, maybe like a mountebank or a charlatan. Pastors are more important than the world uh, gives them credit for. Uh, in the Christian world, though, lay people are more important than the than they sometimes give themselves credit for. Uh, our average jobs are incredibly important to God. So let me see if I can sort this out. Uh, you've ascribed a certain amount of value to uh, the person who is involved in what we might call a secular job or career. That's good. But when you come to work, I don't know what your day is like, but I've heard you describe that you're, you, know, you do a lot of Bible reading. You do a lot of study as it pertains to the Bible. You read commentaries. You have sermons to prepare. That's what you do with your time, a good portion of your time. When the accountant gets to work, he doesn't open his Bible. He doesn't spend the first hour and an hour and a half reading through the Bible or looking through right, commentaries. Yeah. He doesn't do that during the day at all. So your job is different than his job. For sure, yeah. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, his job is different than the truck driver's job. The truck driver doesn't show up to work and start doing math and you know pouring over Excel spreadsheets and whatnot. But your job is specifically flows out of the kingdom of, the, of God. 
Yeah, and, and so does theirs. Uh, so, so th- see, that's the part that that's where you lose me. So yeah. does theirs. How? Well, so God has created all of us in, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were created uh, for you know what, what N.T. Wright says. Adam and Eve were created for three things: sex, gardening, and God. Uh, relationship, work, and worship. And their job was not to sit down and read scripture. Their job was to take care of the animals in the garden. And some people, they take care of animals, they take care of gardens, they drive trucks, they teach college classes, they change diapers, they cook meals, uh, you know, whatever it is that people do. That's what God has called them to do. Okay, so now how, how does my job as a pastor fit into that? It's my job to equip and support those people to do their jobs advancing the kingdom of God wherever they're at. They, if they work for a lawn care service, they're going to go to work and they're going to mow yards and they're going to trim hedges and whatnot. And it's my job as a pastor to equip that person to, to go to his or her job and to trim hedges and mow lawns and uh, reseed lawns and put down sod in a way that, it, that that advances the kingdom of God, that loves and serves that person's neighbor, the person that they're serving, and gives pleasure to God, and to help them to be aware of all that, to think about their jobs in a way that reflects who God is and who they are as image bearers of God, and not to fall into traps of, you know, to, to thinking of their jobs as primarily money makers or self-promotion or whatever it is. And so my job actually ends up as a pastor my job is underneath all of those jobs. My, my job is to serve like the, the people in my congregation and the people who are listening to this, Christians and non-Christians alike, what they're doing is the work of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that mine isn't, but my job is to support them in their, in their work as the kingdom of God. So in, in many ways, uh, um, I'm, I'm actually underneath them. What I do is uh, less important would be the wrong way to say it. But the, the difference is not that mine is spiritual and theirs is not spiritual. That's absolutely not the case. The difference is, is that theirs is frontline and mine is support. That's probably the best way to say it. And this is the way that Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4. He says, uh, pastors, God has raised up pastors, he says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, lots of times, I'm, I'm still talking to Christians here as a Christian, Lots of times we think of pastors as doing the work of the ministry, and then everybody else, you know, the lay people, they come and they watch the pastor do the work of the ministry, or you know, you, you listen to an inspirational message to help you get through your week, or whatever it is. And actually, what Paul is saying in Ephesians four is that everybody out doing their jobs—students, mothers, accountants, whatnot—they're actually doing the work of the ministry, and it's the pastor's job to equip them to do that. And I think that's probably the best way to think of it. All right. So can I just push back on this a little bit? Because I I don't doubt what you're saying. I'm wondering, I'm thinking there's a person listening to us who says, you know what? I get up in the morning, I get myself ready. I get to work on time. I do my work. I like to think I do it well. Then I go home. I don't think about God one time through all of those hours that I just described to you. I, I don't divert myself from yeah. the tasks of the day and focus on God during that. Yeah. I, when I'm supposed to prepare a report, I don't 
I, I don't pray God help me make a good report. Yeah. It's almost, I know he's not absent, but it's almost like he's absent. Yeah. And that difference still separates church workers, not just pastors, but church workers from accountants and truck drivers and college professors, it seems to me. And it feels like you're trying to drag the two together, but I'm not sure you're convincing me. Yeah. So, so the, the, the what you described is very, very typical, but it's my job to help people see that it's wrong. It's my job to help the people who go to my church see that when they go to work and they do their jobs and they do it without reference to God, they don't do it as an act of worship to God. Look, you walk into your office or, you know, you, you, you know, the, you pull the mower down off the trailer and head out into the yard. If that's, you know, if you're like to go back to the lawn care people or, you know, you wake up in the morning and you make breakfast for the kids. And if you don't think to yourself, God, may I do this today for your honor and glory. May I do it to give you pleasure. May I do it as an act of worship to you. Then you aren't doing it correctly. You aren't thinking of it correctly. Now, what you're doing has value. It does. But my job is to help you see exactly why it has value and to point you towards your work as an act of worship. And so um, that's probably the it's probably the best way I can say it is that you people go to work and you're going to worship something with your work. Let me say it this way. You're going to worship something with your job. You can either use your job to worship God or you're going to use your job, especially in a materialist culture like ours, you're going to use your job as a tool to get yourself money or things or promotion or you're going to use it as a, for some for some people, their jobs are literally an act of competition every day. It's a contest to see, can I destroy my competitors or can I like, can I get a foot up on the person sitting in the cubicle next to me? And that's all so damaging. It, it is so damaging. It, it turns us into slaves. This is what we literally are in our culture. We're slaves. We belong to our companies. We belong to our, our, um, our material goods, we belong to our homes, we belong to our mortgages. And uh, what I want people to do is I want people to go to work and see that, no, I'm actually giving God pleasure. So let me tell a real quick story here. And I might have told this story in, in here before. A lot of people will know this story. Anyway, it's from- um, A lot of people won't, so go right ahead. Well, it's from Chariots of Fire, and um, it's a story of Eric Liddell, who is a British sprinter. Uh, back in the 1920s, and uh, I'm not going to tell the story of the movie, but he's um, he's uh, running in the Olympics. He's training for the Olympics. He's also a deeply devout Christian. He and his sister are um, planning to be missionaries to China, and his sister says to him at one point, "Look, you've got to give up all this running nonsense. Look, you're wasting your time. You know that the the spiritual work of being a missionary." is the most important thing. And here you are, you're like running in circles around a track. It doesn't accomplish anything for anybody. And uh, let's you know, it's quit the running and let's go to China. It's, it's time already. And by the way, Eric and his sister end up in China. Eric Liddell ends up as a missionary in China. He, he ends up losing his life in China and um, uh, highly revered to this day by many Chinese people as, as a, a, a person who deeply cared for them. But back to my story. Eric Liddell's sister tells him, give up running, let's go to China. And Eric Liddell says to her, it's a fantastic line, he says, 
yes, you're totally right. God wants me to go to China. I know it's his will, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And my goal as a pastor is to get people to see that when they mow lawns, they're giving God pleasure. When they change diapers, they are giving God pleasure. When they balance the, 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 you know, the, the QuickBooks account at their job, they're giving God pleasure. When they go to work at the factory, they're giving God pleasure. When they drive the bus, teach the college class, whatever it is, like God is deeply pleased with this person that he made and gave these gifts to. I mean, we're all aware that people have different gifts, that the kind of person you know, who's good at doing internet technology is, is a different kind of skill than the kind of person who's a musician. And what, why did God make people differently that way? You know, why is that the case? The, the, one of the reasons is, is because, of course, uh, the world needs all different kinds of people, but that's just kind of shorthand for the main reason, which is God takes delight in the diversity of people that he created. He takes deep pleasure in seeing people exercise their gifts. And if the IT person or the musician or the bus driver, whoever it is, goes to work and doesn't think, man, God is happy with this, then they're not doing it, right? They're not doing it as an act of worship. And all I'm trying to do as a pastor, it's just my job to let them see, yes, you are making God happy with your work, and he's deeply pleased with the way that your neighbor, that your community is loved and served by what you're doing. In Colossians 3, Paul writes, and whatever you do, in word or deed, which seems to include your job. Work, yeah. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah. So if I'm going to take my otherwise secular job and kind of Christian it up, maybe I think I need to put a Bible on my desk. Yes. Maybe I need to buy a necklace with a cross on it and wear that to work, you know, yes, so everybody yeah. can see it. Or maybe I just need to do the job that I've been given as well as I can do it in the name of the Lord yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And whether I have a Bible or a, a necklace right. is irrelevant. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Like, so if, if your goal is to take your secular job and to give it a little Christian flavor, like how you said it the first, Chuck, then that's a great strategy. Put the Bible on the desk where the cross, what you've done is you've just taken your secular job and you've given it a little Christian flavor. If instead you want to think biblically about it, what you'll do is you'll say, my job actually isn't secular. Every single job is sacred because every single job is a calling by God to advance his kingdom. Even if you're not like, you know, sitting down and, you know, studying a Bible to give a, you know, a sermon what you're doing is incredibly holy. It's incredibly sacred. And so you do it in the name of Jesus. You go to work and you say, I am here representing Christ today. God put me here as a Christian, a little Christ, as a representative of Jesus to love and serve my coworkers, uh, my, you know, my, my clients, uh, the people who come in and um, uh, you know, they're, uh, they, they need uh, products that I make. Uh, God has called me to love and serve them with my job, and so I'm doing it in the name of Jesus and with great thankfulness to God that he's gifted me to do this. The Apostle Paul had a job. He was an evangelist. He was a missionary. In Romans 15, he says, quote, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Yeah. Can the man who drives the garbage truck say the same thing? 
Oh yeah, for sure. I so um, you realize that's a disconnect for me, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul traipsing all over the uh, civilized world on feet, mostly. Yeah. Wow, what what impressive work! I can yeah. see where he'd be proud of that. Yeah. And I'm, I don't mean to put down garbage workers; they're important. We all know they're important. But I'm having a little trouble putting that on the same level as Paul's missionary work. So help me out. Yeah, so, so Paul's missionary work is not done f- for its own value. You know, a pastor doesn't preach or counsel, a Christian counselor doesn't counsel, a Christian youth worker uh, doesn't spend time with a, uh, with a teenager that's struggling because, wow, that's just so great. That's, you know, that's, that, that sermon has so much value. Look, a sermon doesn't have any value. Counseling, uh, uh, this is going to be an overstatement for effect. Counseling doesn't have any value. Paul's missionary journeys didn't have any value, except that the garbage workers of the Roman Empire believed in the gospel and went to work collecting garbage in the name of Jesus to bring him glory. You know, Paul's job wasn't to glorify Paul. Paul's job was to bring other people to Jesus so that their jobs, that their work could actually be a part of God's kingdom. And so a garbage worker, absolutely. I mean, Paul exists to serve the garbage workers. So if Paul has a right to say, I'm proud of the ministry that God gave me, the garbage worker can say, God gave me St. Paul. God gave me my pastor or my counselor. God gave me those gifts so that I could do my job. I could go to work and collect garbage for his glory. That's All those people exist for me. And if you read Paul's letters, he insists, especially in the Corinthian letters, this comes out very, very clearly in the Corinthian letters. Paul says, um, especially 2 Corinthians, it's a great example. 2 Corinthians, Paul is combating uh, who he, the people he sarcastically calls super apostles, um, people who've come into the church and they're dynamic. And Paul says at one point in uh, First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, it's uh, eleven or twelve. He says, you know, "These people come into your church and they charge you a ton of money, and uh, they, they abase you, they humiliate you." Paul says at one point, he's like, I, "I bet if they would slap your face, you would just sit there and take it." But, but I never did that. I came in here and I didn't charge you anything because I was your servant. And that's the mark of an, a real apostle is that I exist to be your slave. And so I, as a pastor, like I'm not this, I, I'm not this sacred paragon that shows up on Sunday morning and then the garbage collectors of my church come to pay obeisance to me and show me the worthy honor that I, as the man of God, deserve. The the real important people are the garbage workers. And on Sunday morning, I show up here, and on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and every other day, I show up in their life in order to serve them as their slave, to equip them and to minister to them so that they can actually go and do the real work. I mean, people people accuse pastors of not doing real work. And in many senses, that's, that's very, very true. We don't. I, I don't collect garbage. I'm frequently not out there on the front lines engaging with people who don't know Jesus. I don't do the real work. My job is to equip my work, and it's holy, and it's beautiful, and I love it. And like Paul, I'm proud of it too. But it exists to equip and to serve the people who are actually doing the real work. And so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you if, if you can do whatever it is that you do, whether it's eating or drinking or whatever it is that you can do, if you can do it before God and say, to God be the glory, I'm doing this in the name of your son, Jesus, to advance your kingdom and to bring you pleasure, you can be proud of that work. You know, humility, I think, is identified by Christians as a virtue. Mm-hmm. 
And the opposite of humility on an elementary scale is pride. Right. And the Bible says somewhere that pride goes before a fall. Right. Be humble. Don't be proud. I think that kind of sums it up. So it's kind of unnerving to hear Paul say that he is proud of his work here. Are you with Paul? Are you proud of your ministry, your work here at St. James? Yeah, for sure. I mean, th- th- so there's different ways that we use the I'm word shocked. pride. One is, well, you know, one way that we use the word pride is that that way that we talked about, you know, the the obnoxious, self-centered, look at me, you know, the book of Proverbs, pride comes before a fall sort of way. And we all know people, we work with people, some of us, all of us from time to time, some of us most of the time are this type of person where it's all about me and... Uh, I work at a job to get myself to to to, uh, to fulfill my own desires, to make myself money, to serve myself. That kind of pride is wrong. But there's a good kind of pride. You know, when I say I'm proud of my kids, um, I really genuinely mean that. I, I, I love it. I love to see people impressed by my kids. And is that wrong? No. And here's why: is because I, as a Christian, recognize that who my kids are is a gift of God. It's not, and that's what Paul is saying too. When Paul says he's proud of his work, he's also saying, you know, what the, the line that you said from 1 Corinthians earlier, he's done it in the name of Jesus, which is a fancy way of saying, it's not me, it's Jesus. I'm just here representing Jesus. And it's done with thankfulness to God. What's he thankful to God for? Well, the only reason why you would be thankful to God is because God has done something to be thankful for. God has given him this calling and these gifts and these opportunities. And so he's proud of it, but he's proud of it because it's God who's doing this work. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, um, he says he's talking about uh, preaching the message of Jesus' resurrection, and he's talking about the other apostles who also were preaching it. And and Paul says, I worked harder than any of them, he says. "Uh, Actually, it wasn't me. God's spirit working in me, he says. And so Paul's pride in his work, my pride in my work, is because it's a gift of God. He's, you know, he's given me gifts and he's given me an, an unbelievable opportunity. Where, where if you know my story, you'll know I don't deserve this opportunity. And so my pride in it is pride in the goodness of my God. So we've been talking, I think, mostly in a Christian context here. For the person who is a Christian pastor, it's obvious that that work is important to other Christians. We have elevated the work of other people who Mm -hmm. don't necessarily do church work. What about the non-Christian? What about the person, and we probably have some non-Christians listening to us from time to time. Yeah, we do for sure. What about that person who is an accountant and is not a believer, does not go to church, but they're doing their job and they're working hard at it? What's the difference between the Christian accountant and the non-Christian accountant? Well, there's there's a couple differences. One is, uh, one is in terms of worship. You know, th- they're doing it and they're doing it for themselves. The Christian d- does it, and Christians work for themselves too. Unfortunately, I, I work. I'm a pastor, and I work to you know for money and sometimes and, and bolster my own you know. Uh, standing amongst my friends, whatever it is, I don't know. So the Christian, though, knows that what I'm doing has deep value. The non-Christian doesn't. The non-Christian can only think of jobs in terms of personal fulfillment. Either this is making me happy or it's making me money. Now, hopefully both, 
but I'll take one or the other. But for the for, for the non-Christian, if a job doesn't make you happy and it doesn't make you money, it's completely worthless. For the Christian, though, sometimes we know that jobs don't make us money and jobs don't make us happy, and those jobs still have value because they are done before the face of God. And so that's the first way. It's an, the Christians do it as an act of worship. And the other way is kind of related. The other thing I wanted to say is kind of related to this as well is that non-Christians, because they don't do their jobs with reference to God, they don't do it in the name of Jesus and with thankfulness to God, inevitably are going to get crushed by their jobs. Our jobs become who we are. We become human doers instead of human beings in our culture. Our culture is very, very materialistic. And so uh, jobs exist um, to, to make us money. And because of that, they become status symbols. The people who have jobs that make lots of money become more important than the people who don't, who have jobs that don't make a lot of money. Uh, they become burdens, um, and it's actually crushing. J- jobs become crushing, and so what I want to say to non-believers is: your job is way less important than you think it is, and way more important than you think it is. It, it's way less important than you think it is, is because you are finding your value in your job, or and what your job can give you, or both, and you've put too much on your job, and you know that it's like crushing you, and you're you're not happy, you're not fulfilled. Uh, get, you know, life be- has become a competition. Um, it's become a drudgery. Whatever dog that eat is, dog, dog world. eat dog world. Yep. The, the other thing though is that your job is more important than you think it is. If you would stop and see that my job was given to me, that that your job was given to you by Jesus to love and serve your neighbor and to bring him deep pleasure, you would see that even the most trivial things that we do have cosmic significance, have deep eternal importance, are very, very, in the most literal sense of the word, are very, very sacred. So it turns out, this is a term that we haven't really focused on so far, it turns out that Martin Luther had quite a bit to say about vocation, which is not a word that I think we use in our common everyday speech. Right. How does Luther's understanding of vocation inform this discussion? Yeah. Well, if we use vocation, it's kind of a fancy word for, um, you know, profession, what you do for a living. Uh, Luther means something broader than that. Uh, the word vocation is just comes from the Latin word. means ca- It just means calling, what your calling is. And of course, um, Luther insisted that your calling was not just how you made money, not just your you know your your paying job. That's a part of it. Your calling is also your family, uh, your neighborhood, your hobbies are a part of your calling. Um, and what Luther insisted when he talked about calling was, and, and this was in opposition to the church of his day, uh, the medieval Roman Catholic Church, which insisted that. Um, like we've been kind of talking about this, that, that the priests are important, the monks are important, uh, the, the church workers are important, and everybody else is kind of there to witness that, to show up to that. Even church services are performed in front of a passive laity. Um, it's their job to bring the money to support the most important things. And what Luther insisted was that... Um, Every single person is important before God, and every single thing that God has called us to do, whether it's your your money-making job or your hobbies or your passion jobs, your charities, uh, the friends that you have and hang out with, that's a part of your vocation as well. 
Luther insisted that those were sacred before God as well. So one of the things that Luther liked to say in terms of vocation was, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbors do. And so what that means is, is that anything that I can do to love and serve my neighbor or love and serve the environment around me could, could be coaching soccer, could be mowing my yard, it could be like inviting my neighbor over for a, a beer and a conversation. It could be going to work and making money. It could be changing that poopy diaper. Whatever it is, if we're loving and serving our neighbor and loving and serving God by doing it, it is holy because it is God's vocation for us. Here's a section from Acts 18 that describes the Apostle Paul. Luke writes, and he, meaning Paul, found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Right. So it turns out that Paul is not just a glorified missionary and apostle. Right. He worked with his hands and made tents. Yeah. There, I, there are probably some people listening to us who didn't realize that Paul had a blue-collar, can I say it that way, a blue-collar uh, vocation. Yeah. So later on we, we read in 1 Thessalonians where Paul says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Right. This verse and a number of others, I think you pointed some of them out in 2 Corinthians, indicate that Paul opted to use his work skills to support himself. Yeah. So as to not be a burden right. on his friends and supporters. So is Paul making a distinction in his kingdom work from his missionary apostleship? That's over here. And the tent making is over there. No, I don't think he is. I think that you know, for Paul, it's all sacred, and it's all missionary work. That's the other thing I haven't talked about. If I can say this to the Christians, everything we do is missionary work. Everything we do is done to advance the kingdom. You no, know, that God. sounds like the kind of religious things that pastors say, and then we hear him say it, and we say, "Well, yes, that's that's right. Uh, pastor is right." Uh, yeah, but that's not really true. Everything we do is missionary work. You have to defend that. Well, yeah, so I, I, I am a pastor, and that was religious, what I just said. So it does fall into that category, I guess. Um, if everything we do is to be done to the glory of God, if everything we do is done to advance the kingdom of God, that means that everything we do is is meant to grow that kingdom. It's meant to bring God pleasure, to to make everybody around us more aware that God is in charge. And so that means that if I, you know, when I mow my yard, uh, when I go uh, drive the trash truck, when I go to work and open up the Excel spreadsheet, uh, I might not be standing on a soapbox quoting scripture at people, but what I'm doing is, is I'm loving and serving my neighbors by bringing self-sacrifice into their world. I work and I exist for them, not for myself. I don't go to my job as, well, you know, I perform a service and you give me money. It's, I mean, that's a part of the deal. Obviously, we all have to eat to survive. But you go to your job and your main goal is to love and serve your neighbors. And what you're doing is you're introducing the self-sacrifice of God, the self-sacrifice specifically of Jesus, his son, into the workplace. And so definitely it's missionary work. You know, with the, um, It's definitely meant to advance the kingdom. 
and meant to bring glory to God and to Jesus. And so it's missionary work. What would you say to somebody who is listening to us who says, yeah, I go to my job and I work hard. I work hard. And yeah, I try to earn money to support myself, my wife, my family. So I'm loving and serving my neighbor there. But to think that my job is loving and serving other people, maybe a lot of other people, that's a brand new thought to me. What would you say to that person? Uh, I guess I would say good. I start thinking that way. That's that's the way that God wants us to think. That's He designed us for each other. He did not design us for ourselves. And our our contemporary materialist, hyper capitalist society tells us that you exist for yourself. You are you are fundamentally Aaron Miller. My my world tells me you are fundamentally a consumer. That's who you are. And what the Bible is saying, no, you're fundamentally a servant. Your job is to serve other people, to love other people. And um, it it doesn't mean, of course, that like, uh, so to go back to Paul, the question of Paul, you know, uh, Paul, in many places, 1 Thessalonians, for instance, Paul says, you know, that the worker is worthy of their, uh, uh, you know, the, the oxes, don't, don't muzzle the ox so that he can eat the grain when he's treading, you know, when he's running the mill. The worker is worthy of, of his reward and that, uh, you know, pastors, missionaries are, are worthy to be supported. But when he gets to a place like Corinth and he sees that these people can't do that, he doesn't say, I'm not preaching here. I'm not going to minister here unless you guys can raise up the money to support me. He doesn't say that because his main job as a missionary is not to make money. His main job is to love and serve them. So he figures out a way to serve them without charging them money. And it's making tents is one way that he does it. He says at the end of 2 Corinthians again, look, I didn't charge you any guys uh, guys money. I depended upon the generosity of your Christian brothers and sisters up north in Macedonia to provide for my needs so that I could I could work here and charge you nothing. And and, and he he goes to great lengths to say it's not that the, it's it's not that I don't deserve anything, but my main goal is to serve you and if serving you means me stretching outside of myself, me giving up my own goals and my own financial dreams, then I'm willing to do that. And I, this is I, I guess we could say this is sort of complex. What I'm not saying is I'm not saying to the person Say, I'm not saying to the accountant whose boss comes to them and says, we can't afford to pay you anymore. Um, we're going to have to let you go. I'm not saying it's that person's duty to say to that per- to their boss, well, I'll just work here for free because I want to be a servant. You probably have a wife and kids or a husband and kids to support. And so there's you have to care about them too. They also are your neighbor. So making money is not a bad thing, but it should not be our purpose and our goal. Our purpose and our goal should be to love and serve our families, love and serve our friends, love and serve our clients and our coworkers. You know, so here's my last question, just to flip the coin over here. For the let's just talk about the Christian person who is laboring away at what we would call a non-church worker type job. Um, all the things you said, notwithstanding, and that person is not making ends meet. They're not making enough money. They're not feeling fulfilled. They are struggling every day they get up to go to work. Are you saying that that person should say to themselves, well, it's pretty awful here, but this is where God put me. So I guess, you know, I just have to uh, 
pull myself up by my bootstraps and keep at it? Or can a person say, I think God's telling me that I need to make a change. I think God is telling me that yeah, I'm in the wrong place and I need to do something else or, or what? I, I don't know. I, so here's a, I'm going to give you 25% of my answer. 25% of my answer is, I don't know. That's a very specific circumstance that you would have to suss out. It's, it's a very, these are all, there's tons of moving parts in any person's life. And so you would have to suss out. If I was talking to a person like that, I'd have to suss out, is there potential for making more if you hang in it for six more months or a year, you know, that sort of thing, or is it completely dead end? Um, are you accomplishing some sort of great good that's giving you deep pleasure that by sacrificing, you know, maybe give up your Netflix subscription and by staying in there, you can continue to do this fulfilling job. Or is it just completely meaningless? And you're, you're, you know, people come and they talk to me about working for a boss who's asked them to lie. These are all sorts of complex questions. And so you can just, just can't answer that in a vacuum. You just have to say, I would, I would want to talk to that sort of person to see where they're at. But here's the 75% part of my answer. None of this happens in, um, in sort of like a, a 1D level. If somebody in my church, if somebody in my family, my body of Christ, my family in Christ, if somebody is in a job where they're not able to make ends meet and they're struggling and they're working hard but and they're doing it for the glory of God, but they're kind of hurting, it's my job and my family, my Christian family's job to like meet their needs because, again, I'm not allowed to say as a Christian, I am not allowed to say, well... Hey, it's capitalism. You know, you didn't go to school. You didn't study hard enough in school. You didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Sorry, you're just going to be poor. Me, I did. I studied hard. I've got my master's degree, and I'm going to make money. That's not the way that the biblical world works. The way it works is, is that from my plenty to their need, Paul says this explicitly in 2 Corinthians 8, from my plenty to their need, it's my job to take care of people because I don't exist for myself. I don't exist to make money. I exist to love and serve my neighbors. This is what Luther means by vocation. And if part of that is helping them to get the training, to get a different job, to find a, to help them find a different job, to help support them so that they can be taken care of while they're looking for a different job, or while they're working in a job that doesn't make enough money, but they're accomplishing something that's deeply valuable to them and to the kingdom of God, then that's what God has called me to do. Well, that's our conversation on work, our conversation on vocation. You've been listening to Craving Answers, Craving God with Aaron Miller, pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. If you have a question you'd like to address to Aaron, submit your question on the comment option at the bottom of our episode page. Again, that's cacg.stjamesglencarbon.org. Share your questions and comments with us. Thanks for listening.